Hey everybody, Raul here for Bass Musician Magazine, and today we have the extraordinary honor and pleasure of chatting with bassist, vocalist, and one of the founding members of Toad the Wet Sprocket, Dean Dinning. Yay! Hello, how's it going? <laughs> Outstanding, Dean. So great to have a chance to catch up and chat. As always, we like to start from the very beginning. How did you get started in music and particularly on bass? Well, for those who don't know, my family has been in the music business for a long time. My dad's sisters had a, a, a trio singing group in the 1940s, and he was their manager. They were teenagers. They were called the Dinning Sisters. They were contemporaries of the Andrews Sisters, and they made records and, and did what they called soundies back in the day, which were short, were almost like music videos hmm. that would sometimes play ahead of movies. My dad took them to Chicago and got them signed to NBC Radio on a program which was called the National Barn Dance, which was a show that later became the Grand Old Opry. Oh, wow. um, it was an early version of it. So they got a record deal. They recorded. My dad would pick the songs. He'd hire an arranger. He'd teach the girls their parts around the piano, and then they would do the sessions. And so that was, that was the Dinning Sisters. They went on for a long time. And then my uncle Mark had a hit, a number one record in 1960, with a song that was written by one of the Dinning sisters, uh, which was also his sister. It was called Teen Angel. Okay. And it was later featured in uh, the movie American Graffiti and had a whole second life then when it was on the soundtrack. And then my other aunt, one of my dad's other sisters, was a cast member on the television program Hee Haw for its entire run. Wow. So I guess what I'm trying to say is me getting into the music business was kind of getting into the family business a little bit mm -hmm. because it wasn't the first time anyone had <laughs> tried it, uh, just to put it that way. My dad was actually a bass player. And he played bass around town with a little combo doing, you know, standard and uh, playing cocktail parties and things like that. So I grew up, he played upright uh, bass. He had an old uh, plywood K bass. Wow. And I helped him, you know, set up the gear and, and load the car. And to this day, I'm still the guy they call on to try and make the packing work because <laughs> I have a certain eye for that. Yeah. But so yeah, um, he he uh, he bought me my first bass, which was a, a '70s Fender Precision uh, that we got for about 300 bucks. I wanted an electric guitar, but he, I guess, wisely told me that there were 10 guitar players out there for every bass player who could sing, and it turned out that he was right. So that that's how I got my start. But I also took piano lessons from the age of about seven onward, so I had a foundation in keyboard. Gotcha. Before I played bass. Gotcha. And did your dad teach you once you had your bass? Or? He really didn't. I didn't take to it right away. I, did, I still wanted an electric guitar. Oh, I, could, wow. uh, I tried playing the bass, but it wasn't very fun to practice. Hmm. I didn't really discover until later that the way to practice, at least for me, was to turn all the bass off on the stereo and play along with records. I figured that out later on. That, was, that became my process then. But I still wanted an electric guitar, so I... So I, I got a job and I saved up my money and I bought an electric guitar and I, I, I thought I was going to be a guitar player. And then when Toad started, I was originally the keyboard player. Everybody knew me as this keyboard guy. And then there was a song that didn't seem to want to have keyboards and I played bass on it for the first time. And it was great. It was great. And I've done it. I've been the bass player ever since. Nice. And so you'd be pretty much self-taught? Pretty much. Yeah, self-taught. I haven't actually had any lessons. 
Very cool. Very cool. And since you mentioned Toad the Wet Sprocket, you guys have been together since about 86, if I'm not mistaken. 86 is about right. We all met in high school doing a play. We were all in theater, (laughs) and we all discovered that we had instruments. Our original drummer, Randy, lived in his parents' basement, which was perfect, because he had a drum kit down there. And we would get together on the weekends and jam, we called it. And Todd, our, our guitar player to this day, was a part of that. Nice. And we would, we, would just, we would just, you know, screw around with, uh, with guitars and drums in Randy's basement. And that was the original, that was how the band kind of started. 86 is about right. We all met in high school doing a play. We were all in theater, oh. and um, and we all discovered that we had instruments. Our our original drummer Randy um, uh, lived in his parents' basement, um, and which was perfect because uh, he had a drum kit down there. And we would get together on the weekends and jam. We called it. Um, and Todd, our our guitar player to this day, was a part of that. Nice. And um, and and we would we would just we would just you know screw around with uh with guitars and drums in randy's basement and that was the original that was how the band kind of started how did things kind of snowball because again with this longevity things have been going strong your music falls kind of within an alternative rock but i hear kind of americana when i listen to it because you've got a reach into a whole bunch of different areas it's it's not all the same well, you know, there were a lot of synths and things on the parts that I was learning as the keyboard player when it came in. But then okay. when I started playing bass, things started to get more organic. Uh-huh. And we really only used keyboards like B3 and piano on the records. It's a very natural sound, not mm-hmm. a lot of electronic influence there. But we started you know, Todd and Glenn had been writing songs and they wrote great songs. They had all these demos and Todd was adamant that we needed to play out. And there was a there was a little club called the Shack in Goleta, which is where just north of Santa Barbara, that would only let you play original music because he didn't pay his ASCAP or BMI uh, fees. <laughs> if you even played Happy Birthday for a friend, he would run up on the stage and stop you. So we played there for about a year and we met a lot of other bands and we started doing multiple band nights and kind of, I guess that was an early way of networking. And then we started to take these shows with multiple bands and play downtown at, uh, at clubs and things like that. And that was where Brad Knack, who later became our manager, first saw us. And he was a songwriter. He was signed to Warner Chapel. And he was due to deliver a batch of songs to Warner Chapel, and he needed a backup band. Mm-hmm. So we went into the studio and backed him up on three songs. And he, he paid for us to record two or three songs. We went into a little home studio in a guy's house. He could only record there from the morning until his kids got home. <laughs> it was two-inch 16-track. His name was David Vaught. He was great, great engineer. And we did the whole thing live. We, we overdubbed a couple of things, but most of it was all done live. And we recorded a 10-song album that we released on cassette. And that, was, that became our first album, Bread and Circus, which Columbia Records ended up releasing in 1989 without even changing the mixes. They didn't change anything. So that, I mean, that's, that's how it took off. We originally made this cassette because we were so young at the time our friends couldn't get in to see us play at the clubs. <laughs> so we wanted something so our friends could hear our music. Gotcha. 
Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, and as we fast forward ahead, the most recent album that I have for you guys, starting now, 2021. Yeah, that was our pandemic record. We had started it before the pandemic, and then we went into lockdown and just started finishing it by sending files back and forth and, and, and doing that whole thing. Yeah, so that was a little different experience. Gotcha. And as we talk about sound, your gear, what are you yes. playing on? How are you getting your sound? Well, I have gone all the way back to the beginning. I, 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 I had active basses for a while. I was playing Warwick's for a long time, which I loved. They were state-of-the-art and sounded great and sounded great live. Our, our sound mixer loved them. But I around 2012, I decided to go back to just to really simplify everything. So I got this Lakeland 5560 five-string jazz bass made for me by the people at Lakeland, and it's completely passive. It's just a, it's like a 60s jazz bass, and our sound front of house mixer loved the sound so much. I go back and forth between a four-string and a five-string. So I actually got a second one, a four-string Lakeland, because he liked the sound so much. He didn't want to lose that sound when I went to the four-string. So it's really a very simple setup. I don't go through any effects, just a tuner. The only thing I do use now is a wireless, but it's just very pure, you know, just straight into the amp. The amp is really, we don't even mic the amp. The amp is just to fill in the gap in the front for the people who, so that, you know, you've got that drum kit in front of you. We've got a sub behind the drum and the sound coming out of the Mark bass cabinet just mixes with that, with that sub and the kick. And so it all, it kind of holds the, the bottom end of the band together gotcha. in a nice way. Once again, simplifying. I'm always afraid of my gear going out on me or crapping out when I'm on the road. And I think, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to get something from somewhere. So going with the Mark bass, I really felt like I could just walk into any guitar center and pick up another one mm -hmm. if I needed to when I was out there on the road. And I've actually had to do that um, on occasion. So yeah, it's just off the shelf, isn't it? You know, it's not anything that needs to be made for me. It's solid state and it just, it sounds terrific and it is really loud. I, I can play it on a big stage and it puts out as much as uh, an SVT. Wow. So it's been great for me. I've been using it for, I don't know, probably almost 10 years. Nice, nice. And because of the simplicity of your sound as you're describing it, I'm guessing because most of the amps will have some kind of EQ or something. Yeah. I know I like to run it just everything straight up and without kind of the minimal of, of the EQ. But Yeah. I pretty much work with our Freda House mixer and give him what he needs. Gotcha. I, I put the what's going on in the house ahead of what I need on stage. A lot of the time there's not very much room to have you know a, a, a ton of bass coming out on stage so you need to dial it back we used to mix in you know put in some high so you can get the detail of the fingers i play with my hands a lot get some you know get a little bit of fret in there you know give it some detail and clarity i pretty much leave the eq the same every night the great thing about this mark based amplifier it's called the little mark three it has two filters on it, one that makes it sound more like an Ampeg and one that, that kind of makes it sound more like a modern amp, okay. like what I would call, like, I used to use SWR for a long time, and that sort of very, you know, very clear sound. So between those two knobs, I can get, I can get any sound that I need. Between those, between those two knobs and the knobs on the bass and the way that I play and, and position my hands, I can get every sound that I need.
Gotcha. And do you have a preference in strings? I only use one kind of strings on my five string, and those are Michael Tobias design for five string set, the nickel ones. And they have an exposed core on the low B string, which gives that low B a lot of clarity and makes it very useful. The other thing is, is that we dropped the keys of all the songs around 2012. And so I am tuned down one whole step on the five string. A lot of people are looking at the guitar players and then they look at me and their bra their brains can't figure out what's going on because where my hands are and where their hands are does not compute. Mm. But I've dropped, I've dropped a whole step. And so I use these really thick strings with a 135 on the bottom and it gives me good string tension and all that and it really holds together and it has allowed me to i didn't think that when we originally dropped the songs i thought this isn't gonna last we're gonna put them back in the original key you know i'm not gonna relearn everything yeah just you know and especially i didn't want to lose the low notes you know i've got these really cool parts on songs like something's always wrong where i i have to have that I have to have control of the, of the really low notes on that song. Mm -hmm. So for me, the solution was just to tune the bass down a whole step and play everything the same. Then, of course, we did transpose some of the songs back into the original key. And so now I'm transposing up instead of down, which is better yeah. for me. Very, very cool. Well, and as we look ahead to the future, what plans do you guys have in mind? What's, what's coming up? Well, we just got home off of a tour. And so just, you know, decompressing after that, I mean, it was long. We did 66 shows this year. Oh, wow. So, but we are going into the studio tomorrow, in fact. We've been doing an acoustic set in the middle of our show, and we've been, you know, wanting to re record acoustic versions of a lot of the songs for a kind of an acoustic greatest hits album, if you want to call it that. Nice. So we're going to go in and, and start that tomorrow, and I'm going to be using... Another bass that I just recently got in the last year, which is a Taylor GS Mini bass. Seen him. Which is great. It's a, it's a great instrument. I tried playing one of those Kala U basses, but the string tension, I couldn't get used to it. And I wasn't able to play the way I wanted to. And a friend of mine suggested the GS Mini bass, and I got one of those from Taylor. And it's been great. I, I use it every night. Nice. Well, and when Taylor first released those, their mind frame was that they could rope guitar players into playing bass because it would kind of feel right to them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it really does feel good. It has a really great feeling neck, and it's very satisfying to play. It's the most satisfying acoustic guitar-shaped, you know, acoustic bass mm -hmm. that I've ever had. Before I got mine, I borrowed one from this friend of mine, and just sort of left it out sitting in the living room for the weekend. And I found myself picking it up over and over again just because it was fun to play, yeah. really comfortable. And the sound coming out of it was absurdly present. I had played these big, gigantic guilds mm -hmm. that are huge and heavy and they're, they're, they're hard to play and then barely anything comes out of them. But this one is different. This one really sings. Well, and if people want to know where you're going to be or what you guys are up to, they should go to... ToadTheWetSprocket.com? Yeah, we have a whole touring page on there that lists every show, and people can get tickets for the shows right directly from our website. Just It takes them right to the ticketing page. Excellent. And then on social media, you guys are very active as well. Just looking up Toad the Wet Sprocket or Toad the Wet Sprocket Music. 
Yeah, we've got the Instagram and the Facebook page and everything else. So, you know, and, you know, we try to, we're, we're not that great at it, but we're trying to be more active and, and put more stuff up there. But yeah, that's a great way for people to find out where we are and what we're up to. Excellent. Well, Dean, thank you for taking time from your busy schedule, taking a little bit of your decompression time and sharing with us your story and all of this great information. Folks, you've seen him here, Dean Dinning on Bass Musician Magazine. Thanks.